Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Urzu. Hello. Last week, we talked about episodes 21 through 24 of Stargate Infinity, and the week before that, we talked about SG-1 Season 4, Episodes 8 and 9. Today, we're going to be talking about Episodes 10 and 11, Beneath the Surface and Point of No Return. Beneath the Surface premiered on September 1st, 2000, was written by Heather E. Ash and directed by Peter DeLuise. Point of No Return premiered on September 8th, 2000, was written by Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mully and directed by William Garrity. So Beneath the Surface is a favorite amongst Sam Jack fans. So I'm looking forward to hearing Arzu's thoughts. Arzu, would you please summarize these two episodes? So Beneath the Surface, they are on a planet beneath the surface and they don't have their memories. They think there's somebody else um, and they're working in some sort of like make work mining processing plant trying to like survive the harsh winter that allegedly exists. And Teal'c can remember who they are. The rest of them can't. And then they slowly break their conditioning. And what's the other one called? Point of No Return. Point of No Return. And in Point of No Return, an incel calls the military and says, I'm an alien. Why don't you believe me? (laughs) Basically. (laughs) That's that's the episode. (laughs) Which is, I was telling Chelsea before we recorded that we really need to stop doing a Sam Jack episode and then doing another episode because my ability to like process the other episode is severely yeah. diminished yeah. by all the like Sam Jack excitement, like lighting up my brain. Unless so, they're both Sam Jack episodes. Unless they're both Sam Jack episodes, then then I can't process anything for like a completely different reason because it's just an overload. But like <laughs> either way. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't always uh, work out exactly the way you want in the timing of the episodes. Oh, well. (laughs) So let's do our quote reveal. Last week I gave you the quote, We have to keep this to ourselves. If the others heard us talking this way, they'd think we were night sick. And your guess was that Sam is talking to Jack about a local sickness that the local populace thinks they're susceptible to and they're planning a way out. Which is (laughs) shockingly correct. (laughs) I was thinking today, like, when we started doing the quotes, it was kind of, like, vague Uh ideas of, like, I think they're talking about this. But, Uh like, now it's getting, like, really specific. (laughs) I'm getting pretty good at this. Yeah, you're getting better. (laughs) You're understanding their, like, you're hearing their voice more. And the ones that you get wrong, I understand, like, why you got it wrong, usually. You know, because, like, you're, like, really close. You're, like, maybe you switched the people or somebody who would have had a very similar train of thought. But it was just the wrong person, you know. So, yeah. You're getting better. Okay. <laughs> so, beneath the surface, there is a lot of fandom talk about this episode. <laughs> for reasons I will get into. I want to start with a question that has no answer. Okay. Um, which is the episode opens with one of their bunk mates getting out of bed. Um, <laughs> who is that? <laughs> there is a lot of um, shirtless. There's a lot of shirtless uh, bodybuilders in this episode. Yeah, I it's just like... a shirtless, sweaty big boy getting out of bed, and I'm just like, damn. I hope this episode's <laughs> about you. He didn't come up again, like. Oh. But there's a lot of the. I feel like they put out a casting call and hired literally every bodybuilder in Vancouver because there were several dozen of these dudes that were just huge. With but the no guy at the on. beginning of the episode is the best looking one. <laughs> okay. Like I spent the rest of the episode waiting for him to come back. <laughs> I mean, he's probably in the background somewhere. But like prominently, I thought the episode was going to be about him. Like, <laughs> no, sorry. It was just a nice little treat, a little. A moose bouche to wet the appetite, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and we actually got to see—we don't often get to see Daniel's arms, but we get to see his arms this time, and he's pretty buff too. Lifting all those books has that effect, I guess. Right. I went on Twitter one time. I mentioned how 
Daniel gets buff in the later seasons and somebody, or maybe it was on Tumblr, somebody got really mad and defensive. They were like, he was buff the whole time. He just always wears long sleeve shirts, but there's occasions where he doesn't and you can tell. And I'm like, wow, you're getting like really defensive about this very particular thing, but okay. <laughs> so why are you so mad about whether or not Daniel is buff? Like, right. <laughs> like it's not that serious. No, it's really not. But okay, point taken. He's been buffed the whole time. We just don't get to see it very often. <laughs> so in this episode, we open up with our main characters not remembering who they are. They think they're different people, basically. So Jack is Jonah, Sam is Thera, Daniel is Carlin, and Teal'c is Tor. And there are discussions about two of the names. So Jack being Jonah, because... That's extremely, that's very similar to Sam's ex fiance's name, Jonas. <laughs> and Thera, for Sam's name, sounds a lot like Sarah, as, as in Jack's ex wife. Ooh. Okay. So, so there's okay. a lot of discussion online about whether or not that was on purpose or accidental. And nobody it, really knows. <laughs> it might be like a wink wink from the writers, not like yeah. not that there's a canon reason for it, just like yeah. a little Easter egg sort of thing. Yeah. I think so. And you'll notice that they use this opportunity of being like new people to get rid of Teal's soul patch. Yes. <laughs> we thank the showrunners for these little gifts. Right. And Sam's hair is also shorter. It's back to its normal short length that it has been in the first, like, three seasons. But in the first half of the fourth season, it was long. Well, not long, long, but, you know, longer. And so now it's back to being short. Uh, mm -hmm. Jack has grown some facial hair. And Daniel doesn't have his glasses. So they Anytime all Anytime Daniel is not himself, he loses his glasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're exactly right. I he also noticed that all it took for Daniel to take any degree of initiative was um, a new personality. <laughs> the, da you know. the Daniel fans are really like, I'm not their favorite person. And I know <laughs> there was somebody on Twitter that, like watching an episode from season 10 and he specifically tagged me and he was like, Daniel mentioned Sheree in this episode. I'm like, okay, but did he mention on her in a like, I lost my wife. I know what loss means kind of way. Or was he actually like talking about her in a nice way? And he's like, well. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> he only trots Sheree out if he wants to like talk about himself and his man pain. Yeah. <laughs> if he wants to get, like, sympathy from somebody. <laughs> oh, man. We really hate on Daniel. I It's so funny. Like, Daniel's my favorite character growing up. And, like, we really hate on him in this show. It's my fault. It's my fault. I didn't mean to do this with your fave. But, like, he makes it so easy. I feel like... I feel like Sam is more my fave now. Because I'm like, yes, queen. Agreed. Agreed. There's a different. I need to like say for the record, and it doesn't just apply to this fandom. There's a difference between my fave and the one I have the hots for. Mm. Sam is more interesting. Mm -hmm. Just have the hots for Jack. That's it's fair. Different. That's so, fair. I, I feel contain like multitude. Gonna, I feel like that's going to carry through for Atlantis as well. The ones who are the most. The, like, the ones who are the hottest are not necessarily the most complex characters. <laughs> I'm not saying Jack's not a complex character. He's just not my favorite character. Right, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, plot. Anyway. Um, so, they, they've all been, they've all, like, not technically had their memories erased. They have what the locals call a mind stamp. So they have like an alternate personality stamped onto their mind, which suppresses their memories. Except which that seems like a great way for this to fail. Right. Well, and so the problem comes because they're not native to this planet. And so it doesn't 
quite work on them. So they're like throughout the episode, they're slowly starting to remember stuff. And it especially doesn't work very well on Teal because he's even less like genetically similar to he's that. Multivitamin. <laughs> yeah, his multivitamin is really helping him remember things in this episode. So essentially we have this planet where there's an ice age going on and the people are advanced enough that they were able to build a giant domed city and they have very advanced technology and they're doing really well, except that I guess their one problem is energy production because their entire city runs on this coal based power plant. And so they need workers to physically you know, shovel coal into the <laughs> furnaces and, and all this kind of stuff. And I, I mean, I feel like it's kind of strange that such an advanced city has is still based on fossil fuels. Well, I feel like but, part of it is just the fact that this was done in 2000 and I guess they couldn't conceive of like actually how an entire city would run without fossil fuel. But. Right. I guess I'm just surprised that they don't have it running on like nuclear fuel fuel or something you know what I mean? but you can't fuel like you can't have an entire colony of people living underground and doing this for you and like stopping crime mm -hmm. and keeping people in line yeah with something like nuclear power right yeah because i think it's like just part of the reason they do it that way is because it will keep people busy right so the people who were working in there, I assume that these workers are really slaves. We should just call them, because that's what they are. They're slaves. I, I assume that they, at one point in time, committed crimes or otherwise displeased the authority. And that's why they're down there in the first place. But none of them remember anything past the past few years. And it's just so interesting to me that they all don't, question the situation i mean it's obviously like their their memories have been altered and they don't remember that there's a big dumb city but there's some obvious questions to be had like why are there no children why are there no elderly you know everyone is kind of between the ages of 20 and 50 so you know what's up with that <laughs> and yeah. you know our it doesn't seem like they encourage romantic relationships. So like if they are supposedly working to reclaim their lives on the surface, as their propaganda has told them, how do they expect to continue their race if they're not allowed to propagate? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, obviously it wouldn't be humane to raise children underground in mines I mean, I wouldn't put it past that administrator of theirs, but I'm glad the show never actually goes there. Yeah. It just kind of raises questions as to, like, why they didn't, you know, prod at that a bit more. And just the fact that this power plant is directly beneath the street level of this massive city to the effect that there's skylights in the power plant that are directly leading into the city and they kind of look cloudy as if there may or may not be snow on top of them but that's all that's separating them from the city that was so funny that was so funny because when we find out what these skylights are like when the people find out you know jack is making this big statement about like none of this snowstorm stuff is true and then he shoots through the glass and the glass falls and, and you see like buildings like directly on top of it. Yeah. And I'm like, it was the thinnest pane of glass. Right. Separating this operation from the truth. Right. Like. How is it not what? broken before? How is it not broken before? How do you not see through it? How do the people, well, I guess the people living in the city know what's going on and they just don't care. But like, I have so many questions. Yeah, and, and two, for the people who are in the power plant, it doesn't make sense to me because if you think that the surface is an ice age, which, I mean, technically the surface is under an ice age, but just not directly above them, then that skylight would have been completely covered with snow and ice already by that point, and, and probably the weight, because, you know, snow and ice is really heavy, probably mm -hmm. would have broken the glass already. 
So it doesn't even make sense if the surface is covered in ice for there to be a skylight in the first place. Yeah, none of it, none of it makes sense. Like, yes, it's not just like that the snow and ice is heavy and might crack the glass or whatever. Like, it's going to get dark. Right. Yeah, yeah there like, shouldn't be light it, coming in. It. These people are not asking enough questions. Yeah. I almost wonder if they did that to, because they know that if people are in terrible conditions, they need some element of hope in order to continue what they're doing and, and not give up on life. And so maybe they're like, well, if we have these skylights, then they can look at these skylights and envision their future, which obviously they're not going to forget to get, but you know. So you think it's psychological, like a psychological torment trick. Yeah. Yeah. I could get by in that. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah. That tracks for me. Because like, especially if you're suppressing, you know, friendships and romantic relationships, you have to give people something to latch onto. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it obviously has a lot of holes. <laughs> but um, yeah. So Daniel being Daniel, he makes a new lady friend on this Because he's incapable of not flirting. Right. <laughs> and so he he makes friends with this woman named Kagan and she is Hi Kira. She has a lot to say about Kagan, apparently. Um, I think she agrees <laughs> that Kagan is a witch with the bee. She overreacts a lot for reasons I don't... She doesn't like Jack and she doesn't like Sam. She hates Sam so She hates much. Sam and I have no idea why. Yeah, we're never given a reason. It's just, Well, I mean, the reason being that she thinks Sam is sucking up to the lady in charge whose name I don't remember and trying to get special treatment and therefore sam is an enemy because she thinks that she's better than everybody else but that just seems like a really flimsy reason to me to hate her like i get the dislike it just seems like like you said too flimsy a reason to hate her this much yeah like because she says to daniel when he's like starting to remember things and talking to J jack and sam more She's like, if you're going to be friends with them, you can't be friends with me anymore. And I'm like, what? Are we in kindergarten? Like, apparently. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, and they haven't even been there that long. They were all, you know, quote, transferred from the mines, you know, a few days or maybe a few weeks prior. So how did she grow to hate her so quickly? I think it must be like days because General Hammond's not worried enough about them for it to have been weeks. Yeah. Which means even like less crazy. reason for her to hate Sam as much as she does. And Maybe like she just got there. Right in the beginning when she's handing out rations and she won't give Sam her bread. And mm -hmm. they're like, give her the bread. I'm like, that is a digestive biscuit. That's not <laughs> yeah, bread. That was not, that was not that's bread. not bread. I don't know why you think that's bread. <laughs> yeah, that's not bread. <laughs> it it almost looked it didn't look like a biscuit to me. It was too big for that. It looked a little bit soft. It almost looks like pita bread with holes punched in it. No, it's too small to be pita bread. Although that said, I was eating pita bread while I watched this. So. <laughs> no, that was like a cracker. That was not, that was a soft, stale cracker. That was not, that wasn't <laughs> even bread. No, I definitely wouldn't call it bread. I'm just not sure that I would call it a biscuit or a cracker necessarily. <laughs> but yeah, so then we meet Administrator Calder who I assume is, yeah, I assume that he's basically like the president of this place. He seems to be in charge. Yeah. And so basically when SG-1 first came to the planet, they had a little tour and they noticed events and figured out that there's a power plant with people being enslaved underneath it. And so Administrator Calder had the brilliant idea of, trapping sg1 doing the mind stamp on them and enslaving them with the other people down there and faking and, their deaths so that general hammond doesn't ask any questions yeah <laughs> he was just like oh you know they decided to go walk 
outside of the city dome into the snow and I guess they got lost or no and it's like babe <laughs> no like, like how how did you not think that that was gonna backfire is my question right? like like it, if anybody asks any questions yeah it immediately blows up in your face right and it's like he is so conceited to think that nobody's gonna figure this out and i'm like you're not that smart <laughs> like yeah i just it yeah it just blows my mind that he thinks he can get away with it and general hammond ends up sending another sg team to go looking for sg1 out on the surface and the team comes back and the team leader is like there's no way they would have gone to explore anything because like you can't get more than a few feet without being blown over by the icy winds like and he and he's fully like even if daniel and sam wanted to go like jack would have stopped them yeah like it's that bad yeah and and he's just like so entitled about everything this administrator calder when Brenna, who is the kind of like manager boss or whatever in the That's her name. Brenna, yeah. Um, she brings him a file to look at and he touches it like with a handkerchief. And then when he hands it back to her, he like cleans his hands with his handkerchief. He won't even touch the file that she was holding. Just like should throw him out in the snow. Right. I mean, the locals might do that to him. After SG1 leaves. Oh boy. And so down in the power plant, basically SG1 is slowly starting to remember things, mostly through their dreams. And so they start to have secret meetings in order to like talk about what they're remembering. Sam comes up with some like engineering things that could improve the power plant it gets shut down and jack is there to you know comfort her and he explains that he stays calm because he thinks in another life he's handled dangerous explosives which i feel like is both a reference to himself as jack and possibly also to macgyver (laughs) i hope so (laughs) Okay, let's talk about Sam and Jack in this episode for a second, because I am a huge sucker for the trope of, like, in any life, Mm -hmm. we would have been together. Yes. Like, in any scenario, we would have found each other. Yep. And the fact that these two are very close here, close enough that Sam has zero problem, like, cuddling up to him later. Yep. And when the memories start coming back, he's like... You know, I remember some things. Uh-huh. And we're having feelings. Yep. And she's like, for me? And he's like, no, for Tor. Whatever they're calling Teal. Tor. <laughs> and I'm like, even in this fictional scenario, nobody's talking about Daniel. Um, <laughs> and he's like, no, like, I feel like I had feelings for you in this other world. And I'm like, you cannot keep doing this to me. <laughs> and it's he, heavily, he heavily implies that he has dreams about Sam specifically. Because later, when Daniel is there, Daniel and Sam are talking about how they have dreams about the Stargate, even though they don't know what it's called. And and Jack is like, I don't dream about that. I dream about something else while looking at Sam. So it's I, like... I am too weak for this. I am too <laughs> fragile for this. I don't... Do you want, I have something I to tell to you that you're going to be angry about. Oh, God. There was originally a kiss in the script. <sighs> By the fire? Like, not fire. I not guess. Fire. Whenever there was just the two. In my head, there's a fire. I'm like, when when they're sitting there, she's got her head on his shoulder, yeah, like right yeah. there. I think so. I, it was perfectly placed for a kiss. But because the writers are cowards mm-hmm. and have this thing of like, they can't like flout military protocol as if we're striving for realism on the show that has aliens that live in people's stomachs. I was like, they're not going to go there, but this would be the perfect time to do it. 
So if footage of that kiss exists and you're <laughs> listening to this and you have access to that footage, we are on Twitter at Wormhole Waffles if you want to send that to us. I don't know if it made it past the script stage. I don't know if they actually filmed that or Richard not. Richard Dean Anderson and Amanda Tapping, if you're listening to this, <laughs> want to talk about it? Let me know. <laughs> well, so apparently they cut the kiss because they had kissed in the Window of Opportunity episode, and that was pretty recent. So and what's they didn't, point? So they didn't want too much of that back-to-back because they're trying not to emphasize a romance plot. Because they're cowards. Yeah. Cowards. What's wrong with romance? Romance isn't cheap in the story. It makes <laughs> you give more of a shit because you actually care not just about whether or not your favorite character is going to make it, but you care because these characters visibly mean something to each other. And I'm not saying that friendship means doesn't mean that you mean nothing to somebody. I'm not saying platonic relationships are not valid. They are. But a romantic relationship is like a different dimension. You care in a different way. Yeah. It makes it more interesting. If all of them feel the same way about each other, that's like, I'm not doing the breakdown probability math of that, but that's like, you know, 10 different emotional connections or whatever with the exact same value that you're asking me to treat as all equally important. Like, give me some different sorts of relationships. Right. I'm going to go back yeah. in 23 years and <laughs> slap these people. Right. For legal well, reasons, that's a joke. Part, and also part of the reason why it was taken out was apparently the writer of this particular episode, Heather E. Ash, does not like the Sam Jack romance and didn't want it in there. She specifically had in mind that this episode would show how they are not well matched. Well, you know, Except it is a brave move break. to publicly admit that you have no taste or reading comprehension skills, but, <laughs> uh, you know, to each their own. Yeah, there was, there was a big controversy about this recently online because she had some interview come out and she talked about this episode in particular and how, in general, she doesn't like this whole Sam Jack thing because she thinks the romance takes away from the larger plot, but also more specifically, she thinks forcing Sam into a romance is anti-feminist. Okay, well, I sincerely hope Heather E. Ash does not have a life partner. <laughs> because apparently women can't contain multitudes. Right. I don't think it's forced if it's based on mutual respect. Oh my gosh, it's like Raylo all over again. Like... Anybody who thinks romance cheapens a woman, any woman who thinks romance cheapens a woman's story must, by my decree, die alone. <laughs> like, like, put up or shut up. <laughs> We're not going to have any listeners after this. Clearly, I feel very strongly about it. But like, oh, there's going to be some listeners who hard agree with you. So, okay, good. If you hard agree, <laughs> congratulations on having taste. If you're Heathery Ash, I can't believe you would publicly admit to not having any, but you know, to each yeah, I don't their think own, she's, I, I, I don't think she listens to the podcast. So. Well, if you do, I hope she does it now. <laughs> you're not welcome here. Go away. If she does, she doesn't anymore. <laughs> she doesn't now. <laughs> if she started listening to this episode, she's not here anymore. Then again, I have been so Sam Jack from the beginning. I don't think she made it this far. <laughs> it's just so frustrating when like we've had like literally two women writers on this show so far. And they've both been really frustrating because the other one wrote Emancipation. You remember? No. Yes, I remember. Yeah, I mean, I really wish we maybe we will eventually i i'm not super familiar with all of the writers like kind of like as we go along i'm learning about them so far we've only had her and Catherine powers so it's been a little disappointing with their writing so far yeah i mean i guess we can chalk some of it up to just like Being we don't know what the work environment was like for them like yeah we don't know. That said, she still has no taste. But <laughs> and this was twenty three years ago, so times were different, I guess. Anyway, it was anyway. great. Um, 
I can't believe that like just pro tip if you want to prove that two people don't have chemistry then having them snuggle up together and be like essentially in any universe I would have found you and I dream about you and you're the person who jogs my memory and makes me my truest self like maybe that's not the whole they are not suited to be romantic <laughs> flex that you seem to think it is yeah I think she was trying to go for a sibling vibe but I'm like no that was not at okay all a sibling I sincerely, vibe. I sincerely <laughs> hope she doesn't have siblings because um, you're not supposed to do that with your siblings. Well, they don't actually do anything. I don't. They I don't talk imply. about having naked dreams, and then look at my sibling and talk and imply that I'm also dreaming about that. Like I don't do right. that. Yeah, because I'm not a Targaryen, but like, <laughs> <laughs> or a Lannister, but like, apparently Heathery Ash does that. So, well. Let's not put too much, too much into her mouth that she hasn't actually said. No, she doesn't. But if this is what you think a sibling vibe is, like, I hope for your sake, and not just Heather Yash, but anybody who thinks that these two have a sibling vibe, I hope for your sake you don't have siblings. <laughs> anyway, so Brenna starts to question pretty much the entire slave system, which is a good thing. Thank you, Brenna, for questioning the slave system. <laughs> Brenna developed a conscience. Yeah. Well, because basically, Sam suggests improvements to the power plant that would mean that, you know, workers could be used for other things, and Administrator Calder is like, oh, so you think we should keep her on long enough so that she can improve everything and we don't need workers anymore? And he's against that because he really loves his caste system and his slaves. And he doesn't want to get rid of his slaves because he thinks that uh, nobody will want to welcome them into larger society. Which, I mean, there's a grain of truth in that. And that I think the, you know, surface dwellers, as I suppose we could call them, <laughs> probably would not like having the workers suddenly incorporated into their city. But... That doesn't mean that you should maintain the slavery either. So <laughs> that's like that's not their call to make. Like you don't like, get to let people decide that other people are worth less than they are. Yeah. Yeah. And so Brenna decides to tell SG1 that they're right, that these things that they're starting to remember are the things that they're starting to remember are true and that they don't actually belong here. And she wants to send them back home because she feels really bad because they're not even from that planet. Like, not only does she have misgivings about the system as a whole, but them specifically are not from that planet. So she's going to try to send them home, but Administrator Calder catches her and shoots her. But, like, he only shoots her in the arm, which I'm like, you're either a really bad shot or you weren't trying to kill her. It's so. probably the latter, realistically. It was probably because it's TV and we can't show a woman getting shot in the gut. I don't know. That might be it. Maybe. And so the guns that the administrator use, apparently they are actually Nintendo zappers with their barrels sawed off. So there's that little bit of trivia for it. <laughs> That's I thought fun. they looked really silly and they looked it up and I'm like, okay. That's why exactly. they look Because they're children's toys. Yeah. <laughs> and so basically the whole truth is shattered. They tell everybody in the power plant the truth. Jack shoots out one of the skylights so that they see that there's actually a city above and not ice. And so they decide that they're going to take all of the workers in the power plant to a different planet entirely and set them up in a new home. And I'm like, you know what? I think that really is the best scenario because I, I do agree that they probably would not be accepted into normal society on this planet. But also, they deserve better than that. You know, I also would love to see how this old planet deals with their cushy dome city existence without the use of slave labor i mean theoretically if they get some engineers working on the problem they can greatly reduce the need for any laborers in the first place but theoretically 
that administrator of theirs is going to be like, nah, we need slave labor. I feel like the administrator is going to invent new crimes for people to commit. So that he's he can, wrong. Yeah, so that he can enslave people again. You know, arrest people for some weird nefarious crime. That's kind of how I see that going. But I mean, at least these people, I assume it's like a few hundred people. I'm not totally sure. It was kind of hard to tell how many people were down there. But at least those people will have a better life. And um, right before they're about to leave, their memories are coming back faster and faster now that they're like being validated. And so Jack and Sam remember, you know, that they're part of the military and the chain of command. And boring. Sam calls Jack sir, and he looks so sad that she's back to calling him sir. She could be calling him sir in a sexy situation, but the writers <laughs> are cowards. Yeah. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> and a little mad. We got some good crumbs. We didn't get a kiss, but we got some good crumbs. I love that we got crumbs from somebody who's like, you will starve. Right? Like... <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how it always works, but it, it I'm assuming it's one of those things where the scriptwriter is given a basic plot outline that she has to follow and she just, you know, comes up with a detail. And so if they told her that Sam and Jack have to have some alone moments, you know. Yeah, but like I mean, speaking from limited writers room experience, for bigger stuff like this, as far as I know, they'll be like, episode one, this, 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 and this is going to happen. Episode two, blah, blah, blah. And the nice thing about episodic TV like this is mm -hmm. they don't all have to bleed one into the other into the other. Um, if there's yeah. like a point that overarches, we'll talk about it. But otherwise, I'll be like, this is the episode where they go here and this, this, and this happens. This is the episode where this happens. So then they, that way they can just assign it to different people. And then yeah. it have to be written like all at once. So I don't know if they had mandated Sam and Jack alone time. Maybe they were like, these two need to have a conversation because like they'll help each other remember. And then you just get to decide what that looks like. Right. Which just further proves to me that if she was going for platonic, she's bad at her job. <laughs> it's just, I think that the article that came out with that, with her interview was just surprising because it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't make sense that she was going for platonic because it does seem so romantic coded. So I'm almost wondering if she's like misremembering things. I don't know. There are, there is a subset of people that will be violently opposed to a ship and will be like, this is actually platonic. And anybody with three brain cells to rub together will actually be like, this is extremely romantic coded. <laughs> I don't know what you think romance is if you think this is platonic. So. <laughs> Maybe I see it, I see it happen like, quite a bit. Like, like they think that romantic means kissing and more than kissing. Like, I think I don't know if they think romantic. Yeah, it just means like kissing constantly and like constantly touching each other and constantly like swooning and carrying on like it's the most melodramatic like soap opera you've ever seen. And I'm like, no, like you can be subtle. Grown-ups in love, adults in love, especially in a highly charged like work situation or sci-fi situation or military situation are probably not constantly doing that. Right. They can feel away and then also focus on the task at hand. Yeah. Like just because Heathery Ash isn't smart enough to multitask doesn't mean nobody else is. <laughs> Heather, if you're listening. If you're a Heathery Ash hater, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> if you're Heathery Ash, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. She is. I'm not. Harsh. She's nicer than me. <laughs> I feel bad. Nothing <laughs> I say. I say nothing publicly that I wouldn't also say to somebody's face. And I think I would actually tell her I don't think she has enough brain cells to rub together. So. Wow. So harsh. Offline, I'll tell you some truly nasty stuff I've said of late. The older <laughs> I get, the less I care. Yeah, that's true. Anything else to say about this episode? Nope. Okay. So. <laughs> She's like, we're moving on, thank God. <laughs> so let's stop talking about the writer. <laughs> Point of no return. 
we are introduced to Barton, who I love. I think he's such a fun character. So does he come back? He does. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I called him an incel. I don't think he's an incel. I think he's just a conspiracy theorist, which is two different things. It's two different things, but because of the they, way we're first introduced to him is like, he yeah. sent this message and he's like, by the time you get this, don't bother calling your little, because by the time they get here, it'll be too late. And then he goes on for like 20 minutes about his conspiracies. I'm like, you I call mean, women females, don't you? Incels and conspiracy theorists often overlap, but they are not the same thing. No, they're not. He's and he's an he's not an incel. It, that was just the energy he gave with his weird little phone call off the top. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's basically just called and was like, hey, I need to talk to Colonel O'Neill. I know about all of these things <laughs> that the government is hiding. The list was so funny. He I went on for thing. so long. I'm like, they could have started the trace. <laughs> caught him before his list was done right. even though he's like there's no time for you to catch me like they could have they had enough time yeah for real <laughs> and um so he finally gets to the point and he says that he knows about the stargate and so hammond is like well you know we should do our due diligence and check this out make sure that he doesn't have real information that he's going to leak to the public or something like that and so they decide to let jack go talk to him and the rest of sg1 is like doing a stakeout teal is in the kitchen while daniel and sam are in a van and i do really love daniel's comment of we're on a stakeout. I feel like there should be donuts. And I'm like, yes, I agree. <laughs> I don't even donuts. know where he got that idea from, but I, I agree. From TV. Everything better. There's often donuts at stakeouts on TV. Oh. Okay. You don't. I haven't know? seen enough cop shows, like oh, okay. old cop shows, <laughs> to, to know that that's a stakeout thing. That said, donuts yeah. make everything better. So I'm not opposed to the idea. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we should include them for sure. But uh, what I don't understand about this is that, okay, so while Jack is in this diner talking to Martin, Sam is in the van with Daniel and she's like doing a search on Martin's history. She's pulling up his driver license and then looking at his address. And I'm just like, the phone call came in the day before there's no way that the military wouldn't have already looked up all of that stuff the minute the call came in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is the next morning, and they're only just now doing the search. Like, no. They would have already had his driver's license, his birth certificate, his place of work, you know, <laughs> like, his list of prescriptions. They would have already had everything about him before ever going to the meeting in the first place. So that's where I don't think it jives with reality. <laughs> like, Yeah, know. this part of military protocol, they decide they could just play fast and loose with. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, they, they totally would have known all that information already. And they also already would have had a warrant to search his house. You know, I mean, they just, they go there while he's not there and try to act like they never went which means they probably did it illegally but which it makes me wonder then if the, even the meeting was like sneaking around i don't know but i mean i think in reality the military would have actually gotten a warrant to go search his house you know yeah. i don't think they would have been like quite so <laughs> like secretive about it because that did make it seem like actually illegal <laughs> But, yeah, so I feel like they, they could have done that part of the episode a little bit better, maybe. So Martin talks about how he remembers bits and pieces about the Stargate. And he remembers, well, so he heard the word Stargate originally on an online forum that was about other stuff, but the word was mentioned. And then he said it triggered a suppressed memory with the word stargate and i'm just like i'm surprised i feel like that's i don't know if that's like an oversight on the writer's part because i think it's only the people on earth who call it the stargate 
I feel like we've talked about this before about how I think we have people on other planets like if they were a gold controlled planet they're gonna call it the chapa eye you know it might i think we also said this at the time but it might be one of those things that they just do differently and just to tweak canon a bit to make it easier for the audience yeah it does certainly make it easier for the audience but it's like that specific word triggered a suppressed memory maybe be like ah, but what if people would have what if they have used that word though? Because we've never encountered another people who genuinely used that word on their own already. It's always like ring of darkness. Or I think because he's the only one, Martin's the only one. And it's not like a whole race of people we're meeting in this episode. Like, yeah. It's for Ari's a reference. Right. And just get the plot moving. So he's like, he's like, I have dreams about the, you know, stone ring. And we'd be like, but where are you from? And what's your deal? And what's your history? And like, where are you getting this name from? And like, who are your people? But like, if right. he says the Stargate, we're like, cool. He's talking about the Stargate. Right. Yeah, I guess so. So Daniel, Sam, and Teal'c go break into Martin's house while Martin is trying to find his spaceship to show Jack and it's just getting lost in the woods which I think is pretty funny and Martin's house is filled to the brim with all kinds of like random alien paraphernalia like and uh, drugs (laughs) like Area 51 Roswell type stuff and a lot of prescriptions yeah He's on a lot of antipsychotic medications. <laughs> Daniel's like working. Daniel's like, something tells me we don't need to be worried about this guy. <laughs> and Teal'c picks I love Teal'c's line. He picks up a toy gun and shoots it and it lights up. <laughs> He's like, it would appear this weapon is ineffective. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> Sometimes he has his moments. Like, oh Teal'c. He's so fun. (laughs) And so because they see all the prescriptions, there's the doctor's name in the bottle. So they go to find the psychiatrist who prescribed all the medication. And he's like, you know, I'd like to help you, but, you know, it's doctor-patient confidentiality. I can't tell you anything. And Sam is like, this is a matter of national security. You have to tell us. And I was like, mm, I'm not sure I buy that. And so I looked looked it up and I have this quote about HIPAA and how HIPAA works. So okay. the HIPAA privacy rule contains an exception for law enforcement purposes that permits a covered entity to disclose PHI to law enforcement officials without patient authorization under the following circumstances. If there is a court order, court-ordered warrant, subpoena, or administrative request. So they could have legally asked about Martin's medication and medical condition, but they would have definitely had to have a warrant for that. What I want to know is what constitutes an administrative request. I don't know. I didn't get that far into it. But, I mean, I would assume that, you know, if the, the, the Air Force could go to a judge... And ask for a warrant both to search his house and to be able to ask questions about his medication and whatnot. But they're just doing here with no warrants. I mean, they have not done a single thing. Right doesn't seem like the right word. They haven't done a single thing legally in this episode. No. (laughs) Really with proper protocol or procedure. Because apparently all of a sudden that none of that matters. Um, (laughs) So... What are you going to do? Yeah. So eventually they get to where Jack and Teal'c are waiting for things to happen in a hotel while Sam and Daniel go check out his Martin's place of work. And I don't understand this, but in the hotel room, the bed vibrates and Teal'c really likes it. Hey, hey, I'm really confused. 
listeners, if you're older than we are um, and remember motels from the 90s and early 2000s, um, was vibrating, were vibrating beds a thing? Is that like, like heart-shaped beds in that it's like <laughs> supposed to be a sexy thing? Like, I, this, I don't know. know. Is it supposed to be sexy or is it supposed to be like massaging? Why not both? Or both, I guess. Well, I mean, maybe he's enjoying it for the massaging properties, but also maybe it's a sexy thing. He's just into it. I, I just, I don't understand how it feels good. It just looks like he's being jostled. And I'm like, that doesn't look fun. You don't think shame on this show. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm just so confused about why the bed is vibrating. And he has to like keep feeding quarters into it. <laughs> like, what is the purpose? <laughs> so, yeah, maybe I need to go down a rabbit hole and find out why these were a thing and how common they were. I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look it up. <gasps> okay. I'm so scared. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're gonna find. Vibrating beds. This is just from like a random site. May help improve sleep quality, reduce stress, alleviate pain. Oh, because it was like a massage thing. Yeah. Oh, but according to mentalfloss.com, before they became a standard cliche involving quote unquote adult motels. So it is. It's also a It started thing. as a medical thing that then became a sexy thing. Okay. Which I can like think of a few other things that had a similar path. But um anyway. Yeah, that's the reason. So given the, the seedy nature of this hotel, I'm gonna go with this was a sexy thing and not a medicinal one. Well, you know, it's interesting. It looked like a seedy motel, except that it had a full kitchen. I was like, that is so odd. It's like one of those um, live-in motels. Yeah, I guess so. It's just so rare to see a full kitchen, period, much less in a very seedy-looking motel <laughs> with a vibrating bed. Like, <laughs> And Tilak is so happy. <laughs> He's just getting some joy in life. Yeah. You know what? Teal'c is really thriving in this episode because not only does he discover vibrating beds, but also apparently Martin brings along with him a like conspiracy theory magazine. And Teal'c's really into it. He's like reading that thing cover to cover. And they actually have a callback to this in, in two episodes from now. Jack is reading one of Teal'c's magazines on the base. So we'll see that next week. They're so cute. I love their friendship. <laughs> so it just like becomes a thing that Tilka's really into conspiracy theories. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I love that for you, Tilk. <laughs> but Tilk is going by the name Murray with Martin, which also makes me laugh. And um, so we cut a well, so Jack goes to try to find Sam and Daniel because they've missed their check-in. And apparently Martin tried to fight Teal'c. So Teal'c made him like lock himself in the bathroom because he was so annoyed with it. I like him like poking his head out going, can I come out? And Teal'c's like, no. <laughs> he goes back to reading. Teal'c's like, I do not want to babysit this grown man. <laughs> you can stay in the bathroom. <laughs> So Sam and Daniel went to what was supposedly Martin's workplace, which, surprise, surprise, was actually an abandoned warehouse that was used to trap them. <laughs> so they have Shot. to, like, pretend to not know what these guys are talking about when they have proof that they went and broke into Martin's house. And they have, you know, video of Teal'c and... Somehow, that tiny little camera that was in Martin's house was able to do a thermal scan of Teal'c, which I feel like is reaching for this level of technology. But <laughs> they have a picture of Teal'c where you can see his symbiote in his stomach. And Daniel, like, tries to save it. And he's like, oh, is that a, 
a duck. <laughs> I'm just like Daniel. <laughs> he tried. He really tried. <laughs> and so then the psychiatrist eventually comes in. And so Sam and Daniel are like putting the big picture together, realizing it's a whole con. And meanwhile, Martin finally remembers where his spaceship is. So he takes Jack and Teal'c out there and they actually find it. And I was th- I was first really fixated on something about Martin in this scene. He had this really long blade of grass on his head and then he like bent over to do stuff and he stood back up and the blade of grass was still there and I was like did you glue a blade of grass to this actor's head why is it sticking so well it's like one of those things where when you need something to stay it doesn't but when you don't care what happens to it suddenly it's like really firmly stuck on there i guess but i'm like i wonder if that was like a joke and they like actually stuck it to his head maybe they did (laughs) so yeah i was fixated on that but um, they bring in some specialists and do like a scan of the underground to get like the size and shape of the ship and decide to use it as bait to catch the other people so they give Martin a microphone and they, I think just by opening the ship's hatch that like alerted the other people. And so they came running and came and collected Martin and, and um, it, it occurred to me that at first when Martin is like describing the color of the van that he's being put into, I thought at first that it was him just being weird But then I was like, oh, he's telling Jack what color the van is that he's being put into so that Jack can follow him more easily. Clever. Yeah, very clever. I don't remember at what point this came up. Maybe I might be jumping ahead. But at one point they steal like a device from the Mm -hmm. guys. And they're like, we found this mobile computing device. And (laughs) I was holding my phone at the time. And had a nice long laugh. Yeah. The mobile computing device. Yep. yep, that's right after this. So they end up finding uh, Sam and Daniel. And I noticed how Jack called Carter first and went and got her free first before Daniel. <laughs> and Martin is there in the van, but all the others are gone. And so, yeah, that's when Martin pulls out the mobile computing device. And it starts counting down, and so they think the building is going to blow up, but it ends up being the little spaceship that was blown up. And so Martin is talking about how they were all soldiers on their home planet, and it was being attacked by the Gorwold, and they were at war, and basically they're all deserters who decided to leave instead of fight. And so now they're in hiding on Earth, and they don't want to go home because they think that, you know, either their home is gone or if it's still there, that they would be in trouble for deserting. And so they tend to not make themselves found anymore. And I was like, you know, it makes sense that the other four guys are soldiers because they do seem like soldiers, soldier types, but Martin didn't strike me as any kind of soldier. So I wonder if he was some kind of like technician that happened to be, near the ship that these guys stole to desert and just came along for the ride. Yeah. You know, because, yeah, he just doesn't strike me as a soldier type. Maybe an analyst or something. Little nerd. <laughs> but Martin manages to remember the address for his home planet, and they are able to go back, but... And it, it's wrecked. Yeah, the whole planet. Well, I mean, in the immediate vicinity, everything is destroyed. It's true that they didn't actually go away from the Stargate, but it's kind of like, well, if there was still people around, they probably would have cleaned up the area around the Stargate, presumably. Well, yeah, uh, people around, you mean? Yeah, there were, we're not just counting the possibility planet. that they just ran away. I mean, they there could be people who evacuated to a different planet, you know, or other people. Or a different who part of the first. planet. Yeah. 
so just nobody around the Stargate anymore, at least. Oh, well. Yeah, so Martin doesn't really have a home to go back to, so he has to stay on Earth. Sucks to be in. Yeah. But we do we do get to see him again, not in this season, but in future season. And he does okay. Yay. He stops taking so much medication. <laughs> Honestly, good. Yeah. Well, not, I mean, that, was, not that there's no value to taking medication, there is, but like he was being was drugged much. in order to suppress his memory. So Yeah, like that's not the kind of medication yeah. he needs to be taking. Yeah, I mean, if he needs to take some Xanax for his anxiety, that's fine. But, like, all of these questionable drugs to make him forget things is not good. No. Right at the beginning of this episode, it opens with SG-1, like, about to sit down and listen to this recording from the call Martin made. And everybody is talking about the things that they were working on that they got interrupted. Mm-hmm. And it's like Teal'c had his Kelnarim interrupted, and Sam was trying to recalibrate some MALP sensors, and Daniel was translating cuneiform. And I was like, this is so like, stereotypical responses for these characters. And like Jack was, had nothing going on. Jack was probably <laughs> watching The Wizard of Oz or something. No, Simpsons. Simpsons. Right. Simpsons and ER, I think it was, was the other one he mentioned. Does he mention it? Yeah, we had. Did a I whole, make that up? We had a cold conversation about it. It was some. I can't some, remember if I made up that he likes the show or if he actually does like the show. I feel like he actually mentioned it. I think Excellent. He has taste. <laughs> yeah, he was watching. Um, he was watching an episode of ER. That's what he was doing. Yeah, because there was, like, I think he made so- he had some reference to it, and you were trying to figure out exactly what season he would have been watching at this time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, now I remember. Now I remember. <laughs> yeah, he was watching an episode of ER. Yeah. Or Simpsons, or both. I'm just choosing <laughs> ER because my box set's over there, and I can see oh, okay. it. So. Gotcha. But yeah, like, Sam was, like, working on MALP sensors, and I'm like, are there not other engineers on base who can do that? Like, are you the only person qualified to recalibrate MALP sensors? <sighs> I don't know. But then, yeah, it's, like, very on par for Daniel to be translating cuneiform. Yeah. It tracks. We'll allow it. Oh, and this was another episode where Jack tried to use the explanation of magnets for something. I wrote it in all caps because I remembered you mentioned that this uh-huh. comes up again. So I just went, magnets! Yeah. <laughs> he likes magnets. Bless his soul. All right. Anything else about this episode? Nope. I think it was a pretty fun episode. Yeah. It was pretty I, think, solid. I, mean, both, I think they're both interesting. I don't think there is anything particularly problematic in either one. Heather E. Ash's <laughs> dynamic with her siblings is problematic. <laughs> I mean, there's certainly libel or slander or something. There are certainly characters doing problematic things, but I don't think when it came to the. But I don't think any of them were being shown as in the moral right. No, no, no. I don't think so either. So. I feel like, and I feel like they hold up okay. I mean, it's kind of funny seeing the technology of the year two thousand. Yeah, today, but beneath the surface was like weirdly topical because by the time you hear this, it's nowhere near when we're recording it because uh, you will know this. But we went on hiatus uh, yeah. in solidarity with the WGA and SAG after strikes, so we're recording this in August of 2023, and it's hot labor summer. Everybody's on strike. Everybody you wants to be paid morning. what they're worth. So yep. I think uh, beneath the surface winds up being a lot more topical. Yeah. Now, like it's not, because it's not just the entertainment industry. It's like hotel workers are striking and fast food workers are striking. And everybody's like, yes. no, we're not creating a separate class of people yep. to be held apart. So yeah, no, UPS just UPS threatened to go on strike and ended up not going on strike because they got all the things that they were demanding. So I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. Good for them. We love to see it. Yeah. And we're like, okay, all these other shipping companies, they need to unionize too. 
Let's do it. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, everybody needs to unionize. Any other final thoughts? Nope. Okay. So next week, we're going to be talking about SG-1 Season 4, Episodes 12 and 13, Tangent and The Curse. Tangent is one of my favorite episodes. I It's probably going to go in my top three for the season, so I'm looking forward to it. Arce, are you ready for your next quote? Yes. Do you know your ship's bigger than ours? Hmm. It's Jack talking to the alien of the week. They want SG-1 to do something out of their ability just by, by nature of, of their resources. And he's reminding them that it would actually be a lot easier if you did it. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll find out next week if you're right. That's it for today. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would love for you to rate us five stars wherever you can. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast, Twitter and Tumblr and a Blue Sky page, I guess, um, at Wormhole Waffles. And, and we're still calling it Twitter because we don't like Elon Musk and we're not going to call it his new name because we don't like him. But, so you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. I'm at Arzu D2 everywhere else. So Instagram, Tumblr, Blue Sky. If you search Arzu D2, you'll find me. I think it's Arzu Amin social, but I'm not 100% sure. As a network, we are on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. We are the geeky waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Tumblr. We are the geeky waffle on YouTube. We're at thegeekywaffle.com and we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle. Thanks for joining us today and we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon.